I'm ready to open up the Word of God this morning as we continue with our series through the book of James. This is our fifth week, and for the past four weeks, we've been reading chapter 1 and 2. We looked at trials and how trials are part of life and how we get through it and are shaped by it. We talked about being hearers and doers of the Word. We talked about the idea of partiality and how the children and the church of God should show no favoritism to people. And Anthony spoke just two weeks back on the idea of how we prove our faith by the way we live and the works we do. James 2 verse 18 says, Show me your faith apart from your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. So this is the last thought that James has left us with. And now we start speaking about our speech and the works of our words. For the next part of the letter, really, chapter 3, 4, and 5, there's a lot of thought around how we speak. He speaks about the tongue and what an interesting place the tongue is and our words and and the wisdom that's from above he also speaks about mourning he speaks about boasting he speaks about how we speak to one another as as brothers and sisters in christ he speaks about oaths and then this letter will end where he speaks about our prayers our words directed towards god in heaven and our prayers so let's open up to james chapter 3 this morning as we read together this introduction over the next half of this letter where James speaks about our words. I'm going to read from the ESV translation, starting in verse 1. Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. For we all stumble in many ways, and if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle his whole body. If we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Look at the ships also. Though they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire cause of life and set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird, of reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil, full of deadly poison. With it we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth comes blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening, both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives, or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a small pond yield fresh water. Who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes from above, but it is earthly, unspiritual, demonic, For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder in every vile practice. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. Lord Jesus, I really pray that you would speak so clearly and directly to all of our hearts 
as we look at a very interesting and very direct passage of scripture, Lord, that we would not simply just read it as the words of James and, and refer to this as, as my preaching, Father, but that we would hear the clear voice of the Holy Spirit speaking to every one of us. Lord, thank you that there is a way out that you have made it possible for us, Lord, to live in a way where our speech brings honor to you in all we do. And I pray this morning as we go through Scripture that we'll find that and that we would tune our lives to it. I pray for the anointing of your word as we go through this together. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to title my message this morning, Forest Fires and Fruitful Fields. James is speaking, in my opinion, probably the most direct he has been and with very elaborate and colorful words about the tongue, about our speech. And when I read this, I noticed that this is truly a chapter of contrast. He contrasts blessing and cursing, salt water and fresh water, something small that completely sets ablaze and controls something massive. He compares the wisdom from above and the way from below. It's truly a chapter of contrast. And he paints a pretty grim picture when he speaks about the tongue. And I think he's really passionate about this because when we read scripture up until this point and, and maybe some of these verses has been part of his life and he even remembers some of the things Jesus said, it is clear according to the word of God that we should be very mindful on how we speak and how we use our words. Some references that he might have in his heart is Proverbs 18.21. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruits. Let me read a couple more to you this morning. There is one whose rash words are like sword thrusts, but the tongue of the wise bring healing. Proverbs 15 verse 4. A gentle tongue is a tree of life, but perverseness in it break the spirit. Another one is in Proverbs 13, whoever guards his mouth preserves his life. He who opens his mouth wide, out of his lips come ruin. Wow, that's a strong one. And then Jesus said this himself in Matthew 12. I tell you, on the day of judgment, people will give account for every careless word they spoke. James is saying, church, be reminded that the one who founded the church, the one on who this church exists, the one who goes ahead, the, the head of this body, the church, Jesus, said that on the day of judgment, every person will be measured on every careless word that they spoke. And this is a recurring theme in the letter of James where he speaks about the judgment that is to come. Where he reminds the church and the, the people of Jesus that we ought to live in a way that we can stand boldly in front of him one day and we lift our life in a proper and a right way. Our character was developed, our character is shown, and we are people of good speech also. And this theme of judgment is right at the beginning of this, this section of his letter. He says that those who are teachers should know that they will receive stricter judgment. And he reminds us that even Jesus, because he is the good shepherd, told us that we should be careful of our words. Then we on earth as, as shepherds over his flock, as teachers over the flock, should be also reminding people that judgment is to come. So this idea of judgment is found once again in this chapter. 
And what I love about this is that judgment, in my opinion, is an opportunity for conviction to come. Because when conviction comes, which is a gift and a work of the Holy Spirit, we have an opportunity to turn from our ways and turn back to Jesus and be set on life everlasting again. And that's my prayer this morning as we, as we look into the depth of these words that he is that he's writing, that we would welcome conviction, that we would see conviction as a gift. Just as James is writing about this judgment again, and, and Jesus said that we will be judged on our careless works. It's an opportunity to say, Holy Spirit, reveal to me today where my speech is not honoring to you and your kingdom so that I can turn from that and start living better in alignment with your kingdom and the words we should use within your kingdom. And that's my prayer that the Holy Spirit will speak to each one of us. What I love about what James is doing here is before he addresses the church, before he speaks to the listener or the reader of this letter, he pulls himself right into the same position. He speaks to the teachers of the word first. He says, remember those of you who preach the word, those of you who lead and pastor and, and are the ones to point to the word of God, that you're going to receive a stricter judgment. Therefore, you are in exactly the same boat as everyone else. In fact, he says that all men are unstable in many ways and all of us find our moments of falling short in the way that we speak. And he pulls himself right in there. And this week, honestly, it's been a week of turning away from so much, repenting of so much and coming before Jesus myself and say, Lord, man, I still stumble in my speech sometimes. Will you come and will you continue to lead me? so that I do honor to your kingdom in the things that I say. It's also important to note at this point that he is addressing that those who desire to preach the word, those who desire to, to, to share the gospel, those who desire to lead others and become teachers of this good news, should do it in a way that brings honor to God. Because the world out there has got a lot of people who do say things and preach things and and act on things which just doesn't align up with the pure gospel of Jesus Christ. Just over the past few months, I've just been looking at a few things that's available online, some teachings, some things to listen to, and, and my heart is heavy with that there are so many out there who forgot the fear of God and preaching the word of God. And every time I open up the word, and, and I know this goes for those in our house who preach the word, is we do this in a sense of, Lord, let the fear of God be in us because we want to rightly divide your word of truth. We want to bring it the, the honor that it needs and, and share with your people in a way that it doesn't run away from the pure gospel of Jesus Christ, but it remains on track with that which we want. And right in the beginning here, James is speaking to the teachers and says, teachers, make sure you preach the pure gospel, not a gospel contrary to that which Jesus brought, but the pure and the correct one. That also applies to all of us to think about what we forward when we listen to something online or find something online or, or read a quote to really go and think, is this the pure, undefiled word as it is intended? And it really pulls out a responsibility in all of us to make sure that when we share the word of God, we've gone deep, we understand it, and we share it in a proper way. Then James goes on from there after talking to the teachers and those who desire to teach. And he says, now let's talk about this tongue. Let's talk about our speech. Let's talk about the things we say. I think if this was 20th century and he has written this letter over the past 20, 30 years, 
he would have not only spoken about taming the tongue, I think he would also have spoken about taming the thumb. Because it's not just in physical speaking. It's in anything and any words that we use, whether it's in our speaking or on our phones, and how we interact with one another that he is addressing here. It's the words that we use. It's not an introvert, extrovert matter here of those who speak a lot and those who speak a little but he's saying what it really is is that which is inside of you in in your heart however it comes out make sure that it is fruitful make sure that it is aligned to the kingdom and so with that in mind whether you someone who likes to speak a lot maybe you speak a little we all have a thumb that also speaks quite a lot these days and we live in a world where it is just cool to to write out your opinion and and comment on stuff and and jump into some heavy conversations let all of us open our hearts and say okay god let us understand how you view the tongue and what you want from it so the first thing he speaks about is the uncontrolled tongue that verse that says there if we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us we guide their whole bodies as well he speaks about horses he speaks about ships and he speaks about fires. And this idea of horses is an interesting one. Because a horse in itself and when it's trained and just by pure nature is a strong, driving, powerful animal. That once it sets on run, nothing can really stop it. But it brings it into, into reminder that a bit which is there to discipline the horse has the power to bring that horse's body under control. Something that I am passionate about, something that you might not know about me is, but growing up, I loved horse riding and used to do it quite a lot at school. And then later on, got married to Elena and the two of us both have a fondness of going horseback riding and enjoying it. And we were once given an opportunity while we were visiting people to use their horses and go ride in, the, in a nature reserve right next to their farm. And the lady was getting us quite excited. She said, get on the back of the horses. You guys go. We're not sending you out with a guide. And maybe you'll find some giraffe and some zebras. And when you do, you'll see that the horses like running with the giraffes and the zebras. So part of me was super excited for this moment because I wanted just to experience that. And I could see Lena was a little bit more hesitant. But here we are, the two of us going over the hill and into the gate. And we open up the gate and inside the nature reserve we go. And we were just galloping along and enjoying ourselves and doing some trotting along. And the next moment... We came over a little hill and in the distance you could see the zebras. And when those two horses saw the zebras, they just let loose and started running at an incredible pace. The most incredible fastest speed I've ever been on, on the back of a horse. And I just applied everything I learned and just leaned in forward and, and really low on the back of the horse and just held on and just enjoyed this moment of power. And they started running because I guess they wanted to be like the zebras who could just run free whenever they have to. And at some point I realized it's going to get dangerous around the bend there because we were getting to a little bit of a, of a ridge. And we've got to get these horses sorted out. Otherwise, it might be destructive. And in that moment, there's such trust in just pulling back on the reins and knowing that the bit will bring these horses back to control. And because they were well-trained disciplined horses i pulled back and i shouted lena said pull back and we pulled back and within seconds their feet stopped completely and they were under control and this is the image that james is bringing to us he says when your mouth just wants to run free 
When your speech just wants to let out and enjoy the freedom or the so-called freedom that the world says we should have and the way we speak and freedom of speech and all these things. When you want that to happen, be disciplined. Don't let it run out of control. Pull back on that bit, that guiding of the Holy Spirit, the small, still voice inside of us, the years of reading His Bible, being reminded of that in that moment. Say, whoa, wait a minute. I might just end up in destruction if I keep speaking. He speaks about a ship. And if the wind comes and it takes the sails and that ship heads wherever it's going, wherever the wind is taking it, and there's no pilot who through a small rudder can control the, the direction of the ship, that ship might just be shipwrecked on the rocks of the sea. Spoke, speaks about a, a small little fire, just a little flame. And when it's pushed by the wind, it takes a whole forest down. You see, the uncontrolled tongue, we're not controlled, we're not disciplined, we're not being put into obedience like with the horses, will always end up in destruction. And this is what James is saying. He says, don't let your tongue run, run wild because it will end in destruction. The second thing he talks about is the unnatural tongue. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening both fresh and salt water? He goes down a little bit deeper with more analogies on the tongue. He's spoken about the fire and the ship and the horse. But then he says, let's go a little bit deeper with these analogies. He says, will you find a spring, a fountain of water, and out of the same space, the water will taste fresh, but also salt. He says, that's just pure unnatural. Have you ever seen a fig tree? And when you go up to the fig tree, you find olives on a fig tree. Or go to the vine and find figs on the vine. And then he says, or have you ever found a, a salt water brook and you drink the water and it's fresh? And he's trying to say to us that the tongue, and especially the tongue of of the disciples of Jesus, of those who follow Jesus, it is quite unnatural for you to have these contrasts within it. He draws our attention here in an interesting way towards creation. He says, at creation, God made our tongues, and this is, this is me just adding a little bit to what I think he's trying to say, God made our tongues to stand in awe of Him, to stand in praise of Him, to worship Him, and yes, then sin came into the picture, and since then it's this battle to bring the tongue under control. He says, but for those who are redeemed, for those who find Jesus, for those who are a new creation in Christ Jesus, it is quite unnatural for you to praise God in the one moment and turn around and curse your brother. Let's read this again. He says, with it we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth comes blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. James reminds us that every other person that we see is made in the image of God. So when we use our words to curse them, to speak out against them, to come up against them. Let's be reminded as we've been throughout the series that He is the judge. That's not our job. We should rather when we see them, be let our mouths be filled with praise because every single person on earth presents something of God's image, of God-likeness. Are you speaking out or are you allowing your mouth to be filled with praise? Because when our mouths are filled with praise, it won't have room for something bad to say about someone else. It is natural for the Christian, it is natural for the follower of Jesus 
to speak well. It is natural for those who are a new creation and found in Christ Jesus to use their words to speak right things, good things, pure things, and peaceable things. And we'll get to that in a moment. And it's quite unnatural for us to say we are of the faith, but we don't show that we are of the faith through our words and our works. We cannot allow the fresh to be tainted with the salt. We cannot allow it to be confusing to people. It will be unnatural if we say we followers of Jesus, but our tongues don't represent that well. And then lastly, he speaks about the unspiritual tongue. He says, this is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual and demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder in every vile practice. We've got to be reminded that we have been raised with Christ and seated with Him in heavenly places. Our position is new. We are a new creation and we now find in Him. And He is writing this to the church. So that's all of us. And Romans 8 comes to mind, which says, Those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. And He's saying, Beware of the unspiritual tongue. When you've come to meet Jesus, you are new and there's a new tongue inside of you. So lean into spiritual things. And, and he really talks about a regression in speech. He says that those who live according to bitter envy and selfish ambition in their hearts, they move from earthly speech to unspiritual speech to demonic speech. There's a whole regression there. He says it might just be a little, little bit of banter and talking earthly, talking normal things, talking a little bit of... You know, I'm just going to go down this thought or that conversation. And the Holy Spirit is there. The bit of, of, of Him trying to hold you back is in. You're just like, just give me a minute. I'm just, just a little bit earthly. And then your earthliness becomes so tainted that it becomes completely unspiritual. The things you then speak are simply of the flesh. There's no, there's no spiritual value in it. But then it gets to the point if we keep going down this regression where it actually becomes demonic, James says. And this is hard. After some time of partnering with the world's ideas and the world's words, we become less inclined to the Spirit, so much so that we become unspiritual. And then before we find ourselves, we end up doing the devil's business. And this, James says, is a massive problem. Because mankind has managed to tame every beast, every bird, every reptile, and every sea creature. We can control all of those. But this small little part of our body, the tongue, just seems to not be tameable. It's impossible, he says. But there's good news. I love this. One of my favorite words in scripture, but God. There's always good news with God because he takes that which is impossible and he makes it possible through the gospel of Jesus Christ, through us becoming a new creation, and then through being empowered by the Holy Spirit, we can let this uncontrolled, unspiritual, and unnatural tongue of ours be something that is speaking forth the great things of Jesus and His kingdom. And here is the solution. It's the understanding tongue. Who is wise and understanding among you? By His good conduct, let Him show His works in the meekness of wisdom. James doesn't just leave us feeling over, overcome and that it's impossible to speak. Well, he says, guys, there's another way. There is a solution. There is a way out. And it's through living with an understanding tongue. And he, he describes so beautifully what it looks like. He says, an understanding tongue, tongue is one of wisdom. And didn't we, didn't we learn right at the beginning that anyone who lacks wisdom 
can ask of the Father and the good Father with whom there's no shadow of, of change will give us wisdom without reproach, willingly. So if we ask God, change the way I speak, give me wisdom to speak better, we will have an understanding tongue. Secondly, our conduct, our character. If we are formed, as we read again in James chapter 1, through the trials of life, and as, as we are hearers of the word, but not just hearers, but doers of the word, our conduct change, and, and then that which we become from the inside out, hearing the word and doing it, will also change our tongue to be an understanding tongue. James has already given us the way to get to the understanding tongue. And then he adds another thought, which is meekness. Meekness is the idea of having strength under control. It's the boat, it's the horse, it's the little fire. He says, if you can get to that place where you know you can say something, but you're holding back, man, then you've got an understanding tongue. Now, meekness in the times that this was written, in the Greek times, were considered a weakness. It was weak to hold back and not speak up. Man, isn't that the same today? If you don't speak out, if you don't raise your opinion, if you don't speak up, you are considered weak, but not in the way of the kingdom. Because Jesus once said, Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. So in the kingdom of God, when our tongues are constrained with the meekness and the kingdom has come to us and we, we ask for wisdom and we live in that wisdom and our conduct lives in the right way, then we are the ones who will inherit the earth. Not those who just speak and let their opinions run and let their ideas in this world run, but those who follow Jesus with meekness in their speech. And that is what the understanding tongue is all about. And he explains how. Let's read together. The wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. He says, this is how I want you to speak. This is how you live with an understanding tongue. Speak of that which is pure. Don't let your, your speech be vile and bad and speaking about negative things speak about that which is peaceable don't be the one who stirs the pot don't be the one who speaks to, to to create a reaction speak in a peaceable way in a gentle way when you approach someone and maybe there is even a little bit of strife or tension be gentle it's a fruit of the spirit that bit of the Holy Spirit is in you, so use that and, and approach them in a gentle way. Speak in a way that shows that you are open to reason. <laughs> Isn't this a tough one? We've got our conviction sorted out. Even if your conviction is so biblical and absolutely correct according to the ways of God, still speak in a way that is open to reason and let the other person feel important enough that you will listen. Speak full of mercy. There it is. Because we speak full of mercy, we are open to reason. Speak with good fruits. Speak in an impartial manner. Don't speak with favor towards the one and negativity towards the other. And speak in a sincere way. That which you say, is that what you live? Is that the life that people see and the conduct that you bring? So I want to go back to my title this morning and conclude with this thought. The title is Forest Fires or fruitful fields. The one contrast that we see throughout this story is, 
he speaks about this little flame that is, that is driven by the fires of hell and that can take an entire forest down and bring destruction. But then he ends this chapter and he speaks about those who speak with the understanding tongue, they will see a harvest of righteousness. And that's the invitation this morning is to say, God, let my speech be so that wherever I go in life, I see a harvest of righteousness. I want to have a fruitful tongue. I want to see fruitful fields. I don't want to have a tongue that brings destruction by fire. I want to show you two pictures. The year 2017, two pictures that were taken 20 days apart. The first one is on the screen. This is on the 7th of November 2017 when the Gordons Bay mountain burned down completely. Many of you might remember it and we stayed in Gordons Bay at that time and Actually, that, that evening, Helena was trying to get back from Kharbo and she couldn't get uh, through the flames on Sir Larry's Pass and she had to drive all the way around and halfway there she realized she's not going to make it and turned back and slept in Calidon that night because the fire was so ravish, ravishing that she couldn't get through to Gordon's Bay. And I was, I was looking after not only Alika that evening but, but also two of the Fanamadva kids um, with the twins being there, Ariana and Zander because Eugene and Marla had to be elsewhere and Gordon's Bay had no electricity because of the wind, one of the electrical um, hubs was, was broken. So here we are in the dark, there's no electricity, fed the kids, it's getting dark but it's quite light outside because this whole mountain is burning down. And then I, I saw these three little children and they, they had a little sense of anxiety, a little sense of fear I guess because of everything that just feels a little odd. And then at some point I realized my phone is going to die. So I better make a plan to get my phone charged. So I pull out my computer and I'm going to plug it in there. And then my computer is dead. I have no electricity. And then I'm sitting with these kids and I need to be able to communicate with Eliana and their parents. Long story short, I put them in a car and we drove from my house to the church office so that I can just get some electricity to charge my phone and my computer. But as we were driving, we were passing past the mountain and just saw these massive flames of destruction. And those three little kids who's listening into this message, they'll probably remember it. They started just feeling the anxiety and the fear so much so that they were completely stressed out. They were crying and all they wanted was comfort and their parents and can everything just be okay? And in a moment, I, I just saw this fire through the eyes of a child and the destruction it brings. And even though it looks beautiful in the picture I just showed you guys, there was no beauty in it whatsoever because it were burning down businesses, it were burning down homes, it were burning animals, it was bringing down the whole mountain. There was a fire that destroyed everything. 20 days later, we were with a friend from the States who took us to one of the vineyards for dinner. And I took this picture and this is one of a fruitful field just a couple of kilometers away where the fire didn't come that night and destroyed everything like the picture before. And these two pictures paint this morning the contrast of a tongue that can just go uncontrolled and do whatever you want and live however you want to versus a tongue that is submitted to God, a tongue that is understanding a tongue of wisdom, a tongue of good conduct, a tongue of meekness. And the invitation and the question this morning really is, are your words fire burning or fruit bearing? Because God has for all His children and He especially has for His church and for this house and this faith community fields of righteousness. 
to go and reach, to go and see, and to see it bring forth. Let us not be like that little flame that brings a whole fire of destruction. Brian and the team has prepared a song for us this morning called Sanctuary. And it speaks about our words. She said, my life be a sanctuary. Let my mouth be filled with praise. And as they minister this song for the next five minutes, will you allow the Holy Spirit to reveal to you if your speech has been that of fruit bearing? And if it hasn't been, will you take the conviction that He brings and welcome it and say, thank you, Holy Spirit, that you convict me today. I want to change my ways and I want to live with an understanding tongue. And then take a moment to just once again consecrate your speech, your life, your conduct, the way you think, the way you speak to Him once more. And you will see fields of righteousness for the years to come. Amen.